Hi everyone, my name is Alondra and I, along with Mayra, called at the first, or what we know of, first Pride event in Little Village called Vive con Orgullo. This event, now in its second year, was bigger and better. We collaborated and had the support of El Mercado de Colores in the Manuel Perez Jr. Plaza. I was interested in creating this event to create a sense of community for the LGBTQ plus youth in Little Village and to create the support from the Latinx community. I think it's really important to talk about the machismo that results in homophobia, specifically with that Latinx community. By creating this event, we hope to create some conversations as well as awareness for the LGBTQ plus community within our own Latinx community. So without further ado, let's hear the Vive con Orgullo committee talk about the importance of the Pride event as well as some of its origin. My name is Claudia Rangel. Um, I work for the Violence Prevention Collaborative uh, that's based in the Little Village. Um, and I was a part of the committee because we supported the Vive con Orgullo event through Healing the Hood, uh, which is a space activation um, grant that is awarded to Little Village uh, organizations who are looking to activate spaces in La Vita to promote peace. And I was a part of the process to show support, not just in the financial end, but also as a community member from Little Village. I'll go next. Uh, my name is Alfredo Flores. I am, uh, I represent uh, part of the committee on behalf of Calor. Um, and uh, an affiliate of AIDS Healthcare Foundation. And I'm also uh, a staff member at ALMA, um, which stands for uh, Association of Latino, Latina, Latine uh, Motivating Action. Um, so I became involved through this, uh, um, I became involved uh, to the event um, starting last year as um, a committee member um, Pretty much helping organize and identifying any like specific needs of the committee. Uh, I know last year I was a little more, uh, I was less involved, but this year I, I know that I was a little more hands-on, uh, assisted with uh, pretty much recommendations and also like some of the grant writing uh, for the grants and the let the writing of the sponsorship letters. Uh, and yeah. Okay, uh, so my name is Mayra, um, I'm from Little Village. Um, I was part of uh, the co-lead organizer for the event. Um, and I've been involved with uh, the committee since last year. Annabelle from the network was the one that actually got me in um, and got me more involved with um, the committee. Um, so like last year, I know I was in charge of like the photo booth and taking photos and also like helping out with the music during the performances. Um, and then I know this year was like more hands on, more, more responsibilities. Why do you think this event and events like these pride events are so important to have in our community? Because I feel like this is probably one of the few times where I, at least that I know of, there has been a pride event in the south and the just like the south side of Chicago It's most of the time they're, you know, in like more of downtown or like the northern like neighborhoods. 
Um, I just uh, Alfredo Flores. Um, so I think it's it's not only important to have events like this because they're LGBT, but also having that um Latine like cultural background to it too is important because I think it not only embraces that you know um LGBT folks exist, but also that. LGBT folks exist in those communities to begin with, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I really like to emphasize that we're literally in those spaces already, you know? It's just that these type of events bring visibility to to folks to be able to feel comfortable in their own communities because, um, like you mentioned, I think one of the things that um, it's often in the north side of Chicago or oftentimes it, uh, in downtown and um sometimes due to language barriers or travel like challenges like we're not always able to travel as much and one thing i do like about this event as well is that it's not only targeting uh latin lgbt folks but it's also targeting youth and it's also a dry event um and for those who are not familiar with what a dry event is is like no alcohol is involved um mm -hmm. and sometimes those type of events can encourage like a, a more positive outcome. And um, something that I always think about too is that um, that's not talked about as much as um, with those events that are dry events, sometimes encouraging like reducing substance use uh, for those that are, you know, uh, recovering or, um, so I, I think that's why it's really important to have spaces like this, especially like the one we had this year. It's important to emphasize this event stemmed from a violence prevention initiative, as Claudia Rangel, the Violence Prevention Network's manager, explains. I know that conversations around the, uh, creating a Pride event started off from the Violence Prevention Collaborative's Domestic Violence Committee and how one of the areas in which they wanted to show visibility um, was to talk about um, supporting the LGBTQ plus community in La Vita, but also bringing in domestic violence resources. Um, and and NASIC kind of convenes that network and they brought in partners the last year, like partners like Alfredo who came in, who had like the direct service work and experience and kind of helped lead a lot of these spaces. But we also had partnerships with like the network, um, you know, this year Sarah Zinn, um, over the spectacle. So it was truly like a collaborative net network of partners from La Vita who wanted to create safe spaces. Being gay, queer is like not the Latino, Latin way, Latinx way. And so mm -hmm. for us to create that space, even as allies or even as part of the LGBTQ plus community, it was to kind of give youth that space to exist um, and not feel ashamed for it because I feel like I see a lot of um, LGBTQ plus individuals in La Vita and like they need to be celebrated, but sometimes they have to lie and hide who mm -hmm. they are for safety reasons. And we didn't want to recreate that. So I think this committee last year and this year has done a really great job of doing that with the resources that they have and the relationships and even addressing the language barriers, like our fellow said, like to just speak the same language and speak Spanish 
afford to also just be a, a person of color to be able to speak to them. And if they were to go to another side of the neighborhood, you know, they're not really going to accommodate in a sense to speak their language so that they're not, you know, at risk or like put in harm's way. Uh, yeah, just to piggyback a little bit of what you guys said um, about providing safe spaces. It's also really cool that we started like, this is like year two of the event because um, like you said, we mainly try to target a lot of youth um, and speaking from like the perspective of um, someone who like, cause I used to work with uh, unsheltered youth and majority of them were um, part of the LGBTQ plus community. Um, and they were constantly like telling us how there's not enough like shelters or resources um, that are specifically for the LGBTQ plus committee. So like, like speaking to like my old coworker who showed up um, at the event, she like mentioned how it's so cool that she was able to share like the resources of like Un Nuevo Despertar, the network, um, Pride Net and like all the resources that we had to the youth who, you know, need the resources the most. So it's like, yeah, it's these events are like super important just to be able to like provide that to literally anyone who needs it and bring more like awareness of what is actually out there regarding like the resources and organizations that are able to help um, to that extent. So yeah, these are extremely important. And Jessica further goes on to explain, this event was made to show the representation of the LGBTQ plus community, a representation that often locks in brown communities. Growing up, the LGBTQ plus community has always remained low key and often something that people are uncomfortable discussing, even today. But having events like these create that community and that allyship. Sorry, can I also add, like, on, like, a personal note? Yes, like, go for it. Um, as a proud, um, I grew up in Little Village, so I think personally, you know, growing up, I didn't see, um, I wouldn't say a, a parent, but, like, I really couldn't tell you that there was anyone in the community that I could relate to um, growing up gay. So I think um, a lot of events or even, like, opportunities in Little Village were kind of hidden. Um, they were pretty much like Project Vida, you know, they had a second floor in 26th Street, but you had to like go through like an alleyway kind of thing to access the space. And to me, that still said, you know, you need to hide yourself. And just mm -hmm. growing up in Little Village, you, you you know that it's not okay, you know? So I think the more we provide events like this, um, I think it influences not only like the community we're targeting, which are LGBT folks, but also targeting like, you know, folks that may want to be informed. Because um, I think it's it's interesting how, you know, Black and um, Brown folks, um, there's like this kind of term called down low, where you kind of don't express your sexuality because you don't want to have your, your neighbor, your, your family, you know, kind of reject you. So you kind of access you know, um, La Cueva, like, that's one of the history of La Cueva, where men after, you know, 1am, they'll go to La Cueva, and interact with some of the folks. Um, so kind of bringing that, that, like, access to being able to be yourself in, a, in, in whichever space you access in Little Village, I think it's a really important. Um, historically, it's not really like, 
you're, you're not really able to express yourself like that at all times, you know? Um, so like download culture is really toxic too, because it still reinforces that there's stigma. It still reinforces machismo. Um, so yeah, that, that, that I think events like this really influence uh, community in a positive way that things like that are, you know, being addressed in a, you know, not only to LGBT folks, but to folks in general. And now we have comedian Wanda Sykes explaining the history of LGBTQ plus on the Ellen Show's YouTube channel. I hope you enjoyed today's show. My name is Alondra and I'm happy I could share this event and knowledge with all of y'all. Hi there. Who, me? Yeah, you seem like an average guy. Well, I love smoothies and drive a Prius, if that's what you mean. Exactly. Quick question. Have you ever thought how your life might be different if you were gay? Uh, not really. I guess it would be a little harder. Wait, was that homophobic? Oh, God, I'm really sorry. This is a safe space, Carl. Uh, my name is Mark. Whatever. You're right, though. Being gay has its challenges, but it hasn't always been like this. Like the Greeks? Absolutely. The earliest evidence of gay relationships is from ancient Greece, although that was mostly about older and younger men. Did you know Socrates was in the closet? I didn't. I also didn't know they had closets back then. When did all the crazy homophobia start? Homophobia seemed to start in the church during the high middle ages. Whoa. And in the Renaissance, it got even worse. What happened? Well, if you were outed, let's just say it would have been bad. Ah! There were still plenty of brave people who revolted. On August 31st, 1512, a group of young aristocrats living in Florence staged what many consider history's first gay rights demonstration. But that didn't stop homophobia from migrating to colonial America. In 1776, being gay in any of the Puritan colonies was not allowed. Jeez. So when did things start to change for the better? It wasn't until the 20th century that we started to see progress. Gay bars were popping up in major cities, but were frequently raided by the police because being gay was still illegal in every state except Illinois. Go Bears! Exactly. One of these bars was the popular Stonewall Inn in New York City. On the morning of June 28, 1969, which also happened to be the day of Judy Garland's funeral, the patrons of the Stonewall Inn decided they weren't going to take it. Hell yeah. A black transgender woman named Marsha P. Johnson is credited with leading the uprising that started the modern gay rights movement and putting the T in LGBT. Now, every November, the T's and their supporters recognize Transgender Awareness Week. This is great. It seems like things were going pretty well. Mm, for a while. A while? What happened next? Well... In the early 80s, the world was hit by the AIDS epidemic, and the gay community was hit hardest. AIDS became known as a gay disease. In fact, it was originally called GRID, which means gay-related immune deficiency. No way. It's true. Many people think that the government didn't act quickly enough because it was considered a gay disease. So the LGBTQ community had to fight it themselves. So how did they fight it? They got organized. Activist groups like ACT UP, the Gay Men's Health Crisis, Lesbian AIDS Project, and the Names Project emerged and refused to be ignored. 
this newly empowered gay community had one goal. What was that? To come out. They thought the problem with homophobia was that people didn't know other people who were gay. And if more people came out, they would be seen for who they are and not just as a stereotype. Convincing people to come out was still a tough task, but things got easier in 1997 when Ellen appeared on the cover of Time magazine and told the world, yep, I'm gay. After that, more and more gay people started appearing in TV and movies, helping millions feel more confident to love who they want. Wow, what a journey. I'm kind of digging myself as a gay person. Slow down. We're not done just yet. But we've come so far. Can we just celebrate for a minute? No time for that, Carl. We still have a lot of laws to change. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. Being gay was more accepted, but there were still a lot of rights that gay people didn't have. However, they did have something they didn't have before. What? Allies. Yeah, in 2003, Massachusetts became the first state to legalize marriage equality. And 12 years later, it was legal in all 50 states. Much in thanks to a majority of Americans who supported it. So as a gay person living in 2019, how would you feel? Pretty happy I live in the present, grateful for all the heroes who fought before me, and hopeful for the future. I'm glad, because the fight for equality is still going. It takes a village, and we're going to need your help.